Welcome back to the Dented Puck. Uh, once again, uh, this is Drew, and I'm here with Tony. And wait, hold on, that's not right. Um, <laughs> I could, I literally could, I all day wanted to do that. Um, so honestly, uh, well, welcome back to the Dented Puck. Uh, this is Josh. I'm joined by Tony and Dirk. How you guys doing, guys? I'm doing good. I just wanted to say thank you to my buddy Paul Whiskerchin for doing the intro to the song for the podcast yeah man that that was awesome and we've had some those samples for a little while and, and threw them in and that was the perfect one it fits us perfectly how you doing dirk i'm doing pretty good pretty good weather it's finally starting to cool down it's not 100 anymore it's like 60 70s so. like nice, summer yeah. for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah really I've always noticed, even going from New Jersey to Maryland all the time, it's like a 10-degree difference from Jersey to Maryland. Um, today, yeah. we were joined by uh, Pittsburgh Rhinos player and uh, triathlete, Brock Kitterman. How you doing, Brock? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. It's an honor to be here with you boys. Thank you. The, the honor is ours, dude. So, um, we are... Uh, a week away, actually, on time of release, it'll probably be four or five days away from the beginning of the NHL season. Um, I, as a Devils fan, am ecstatic. Uh, the Devils are the preseason champions at 4-0, and and they're going to beat the Rangers again, 5-0, and which means absolutely nothing in the preseason except for the Devils have a young core, and it's a good thing. Um, so, Brock, you are in the Pittsburgh area. I know you guys have a pretty good connection with the, the Penguins. Um how do you feel about the NHL season? Oh, you know, I love hockey. I do. I love hockey. NHL, one of my favorites. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a great season. All the teams are looking pretty good as far as it goes. You know, like, I'm not going to, I'm a Penguins fan, so I got to say this. Uh, Washington and Flyers need to up their game a little bit, but, you know. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I'm excited to see what everyone's going to put down this year. I know, like, the Penguins, they're looking good. You know, I was just at their game a few days ago. Yeah, they're looking fantastic. It sucks that, you know, Evgeny Malkin or Sidney Crosby are both out for injury currently and, you know, without two big hitters. Probably going to suffer their first few games, but the band can pull it together. But I'm excited to see what every other team's got to bring with them this season, with it being a new year, new season, new faces, old faces, whatever it might be. Looks like it's ramping up to be a pretty intense one. I'll say that much. Awesome. Awesome. How about you, Tone? Any, any news coming from Chicago recently? I mean, I watched a really good uh, Detroit Red Wings versus the Blackhawks. It was, honestly, it was a ton of fun. I think that was on Monday night, and it was back and forth. And the Blackhawks made a lot of, like, interesting moves. Marc-Andre Fleury made probably the best save of the preseason so far. Um, it's they'll be fun to watch. Uh, and the Red Wings, whoever their uh, number one draft pick, or not number one draft pick, but first round draft pick, was he's looking really good, and that's kind of scary because they're building for another long run of being very successful. It, it it's weird to me that the Red Wings are bad. Well, it's weird. I mean, that's how long I've been out of hockey, like that the Red Wings got bad. I'm just used to the Red Wings being the Red Wings. Well, it's it's fairly recent. Like, I mean, there's 
they were pretty good for a very long time, most of my life. Yeah, I hated them when I was a kid. Absolutely hated the Red Wings in the 90s. <laughs> the Russian Five. Yeah. yeah. Lariano. How about how about you, Dirk? What's going on? Uh, what's going on in D? Are you, now, see, you got the you got the Caps, and now and you got the uh, you got the Bruins. Yeah, he's as, a Bruins. As your teams now. So, I mean, you're you're down there. So you're infiltrated by Caps Nation. I will. I, if I, if the Bruins played here, and I got and I and I was to go here, I would wear my Bruins jersey. I wouldn't wear Caps. I'd be the only person in the stands there, probably. But <laughs> no, not at not at all. And I promise you. So when I when I was down there in college, like they didn't. Ovechkin taught a lot of the DC area hockey. DC area hockey was nothing what it is compared to what it is now because of Ovechkin. Like straight up, he brought he brought enthusiasm, and then everybody started playing hockey. And all those guys now are twenty, twenty one, twenty two. And and that's and that's why the DC area started learning hockey. But still, that DC pulls a lot of players from other, a lot of fans from other teams. Yeah. Be surprised. No, definitely. No, I'll always be a diehard Bruins fan, no matter what. Um, I I haven't been able to watch any of the preseason games. I think we beat Washington a, a week ago, and I think we lost in a shootout to the Rangers, if I remember correctly. But I think there's a game tonight. So once we're done here, I think I'm gonna go check it out and see. I can watch it online. But. Definitely got to do some homework. I haven't checked in on the NHL for a while. I've been too too busy this week. It's been a crazy week. I mean, for veteran teams, the preseason really is really not much of a. It really doesn't make much of a matter. Oh, I've never been really worried about it. You got to test the farm. That's what preseason's about. Oh, and and yeah. that's why and that's why I'm making the joke. The Devils won the preseason, but the Devils like. <laughs> The Devils are deep, are deep in in that in that rookie class and the farm system. Yeah. Um, and, I just remember you saying this last year, and then they got spanked all year. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I mean, they also, but but we also we were the youngest team in the NHL last year. We were the youngest team in the NHL this year again. We're not going to make the playoffs. It's twenty twenty two is the playoff run, but we at least have a core this year. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how things shape out, see if Buffalo can finally string together a couple of wins in a row. Uh-huh. I thought we were going to get through this at this show without mentioning Buffalo or the Maple Leafs. And might I, like, a, to disappoint Tony or to even, well, you know, mention the Leafs. But, you know. So, we are, um, I know I am uh, going to the... Blind Hockey Classic in St. Louis in two weeks. Um, I, and we, next week, we are going to do a quick preview and also introduce to another St. Louis Blind Hockey player to you. Um, Brock, will you be joining me and Drew in St. Louis? Oh, you know I'll be there. Looking right, forward awesome. to it in a major way, too. Awesome. Awesome. I know. And actually, I, I found out that all of uh, that, like, a lot of people weren't going as we were recording the episode last week, I'm sitting there going, okay, that's one, two, all three of you guys aren't going. <laughs> um, but all good. I mean, honestly, and, and it's going to give a lot of people a great chance to develop too. And that's what it's going to be. And that's what it's all about. Especially when you have a lot of those guys with the experience that don't come. So 
let's get uh let's get to it. Um, as always, we do our three periods. Today it's three periods with Brock Ketterman. Our first period is going to be with Dirk. So, uh, Dirk, go ahead, lead it off. Hey, Brock. Here we go. Period number one. All right. So just uh, let's just start off with um, tell us about like your you know like your childhood a little bit how you got involved with sports what sports you like to play what you know um, and then kind of get into like you know when you start losing your vision and you know just kind of kind of take us through that kind of uh, storyline. I actually have to start in reverse because I lost my vision before I got my vision's the reason I got into sports in the first place. Uh, so when I was born in '04, I was uh, 12 weeks old. And in February, I was diagnosed with a bilateral eye cancer called retinoblastoma. And it had, at the time, completely dislocated both my retinas. And with uh, lots of chemotherapy, some radiation treatments, like there's a whole list. I'm not going to get into that. Um, It was like a two years long battle. And eventually, through some miracle, my retinas managed to reattach themselves and the tumors had shrunken to a size that although it covered part of my retina, I was able to see. And that left my vision in a pretty battered state, uh, 2,400 in my left eye, 2,200 in my right. And the cost of that was my hearing, which I lost most of my higher pitches and some of my lower pitches hearing. And um, with the stem of that, you know, I my parents had the philosophy of, live while you're young and live while you can uh with my diseases and with my fragile retinas one of my biggest problems in life i have is that one knock to the head i could lose all my vision permanently there's no redo there's no turnaround it's that's that and because of that sports had been extremely limited to me you know i always wanted to play soccer always wanted to play football i wanted you know i wanted to be your typical american kid I wanted to go outside. I kind of wanted to run around, kick a ball around, throw a football with my father. But due to so many high-risk situations, I couldn't do that. But with my mother and father's philosophy of do it now and don't regret it later, they tried to get me into sports. And it started, you know, when I was five, when I was four years old, I started taking swim lessons at my local YMCA. When I was five, I joined their swim team. And that went for several years. And when I was seven, my we found triathlon for me, which was my first true taste in a competitive sports atmosphere since I like to bike and I like to run and I could swim. So I did that, got hooked on that through some miracle of actually winning my first race. And from there, uh, actually, I believe I completely skipped something because I'm a genius like that. When I was six was my first tasting competitive sports. Um, Oh, yeah. Originally, I joined the Steel City Icebergs which was a special needs team out of, I can't remember the place, uh, Robert Morris University area. Yeah. And I I did that for two years, and I loved it. My dad was one of the volunteer coaches. Um, My mother was big in the community, and I just enjoyed playing hockey. My dad grew up playing hockey since high school, and it kind of, she kind of installed that in me. And I've been addicted to hockey since then, but when I was, um, eight i think uh because the team was more intellectual disabilities for lack of a better term they would go home watch an nhl game and they would see the fights that took place on the ice 
and not completely comprehending what was happening. One day they brought that to practice, and for some reason that nobody quite knows to this day, I was their target. And from what I understand, because I do not remember this, thankfully, some kid decided that I had caused an issue or he just felt like beating someone up. I don't know what happened, but next thing I know, he's punching me and kicking me on the ice. And that was kind of the final straw for my parents. And that kind of brought me out of hockey until 2016. How old were you when that happened? I was eight years old at the time. I was very young. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> so it was a, I'm glad I don't remember it because it probably would have been a lot more scarring. <laughs> um, but then in 2016, Matt Morrow came down to a sports camp and there was a try it day for blind hockey. And I had, I had skated in between these years, you know, I think it was like four, five, six years or something like that since I had skated, since I'd played hockey. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was like blind hockey. He had a blind sports camp. Let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. So I did it, you know, did the whole day, two-hour practice skate, got my legs back, although they were <laughs> still a little shaky. And uh, he decided to do – and uh, Matt Marr decided to handpick a bunch of uh, players for a blind scrimmage. You know, none of us had truly played hockey before. Most of us were just people who knew how to skate and knew of hockey or knew the basic rules and fundamentals, kind of tossed that all together into a room, and out came the Pittsburgh Penguins blind hockey, which eventually became the Pittsburgh Rhinos. Right. That's kind of how I got into sports and how I lost my vision. So um, what was it like the first time you, like, got to play with, like, you know, high elite blind ho- hockey. I mean, were you surprised at how fast it was? What What was your first like, impressions when you thought of like blind hockey when you heard of it? Like, when I my first impression of blind hockey itself was it blew my mind. The fact that they could put you know ten blind guys and two goalies on an ice rink together, toss a puck in the middle, and say have at it, and it actually was not a complete mess, was mind blowing to me, and when I heard that there was actual teams in the United States and it was a growing sport that they were trying to get to the Paralympics, it just, it made my world. Yeah. And it, honestly, it's, it's been an incredible experience that I wouldn't trade for anything. And then when I find, you know, in, in the, uh, I believe it was the blind hockey festival of 2018, I was invited to play on one of the higher level games. Uh, I believe it was, a pseudo red division game with the Canadians. I don't remember exactly what it was in retrospect. Yeah. In, in Chicago. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We played, it was mixed up with the Canadians. It was right before we made teams. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, uh, yeah. originally it was because it was during the, it, the game was hosted during the first team USA tryouts, but I, you know, being, you know, 13 or 14 at the time, they didn't exactly want a five foot, nothing, 120 pound stick playing for them. And they yeah. invited me to do that instead. And I did. And that was my first true taste of fast, aggressive, normal hockey, even with the blind puck. And it was just, it was even more mind blowing than I ever could have dreamed. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that first time you get to see that fucking hear it. You know, like, yeah, it's, it's... yeah, it really is. No, that's great. Um, well, I think. Um, I'm going to pass it off to, uh, up to Josh for period two, but uh, thank you so much, uh, Brock for sharing. That was great. And, uh, I'm giving it up to Josh.
Oh man, so <clears throat> I have to I have to ask. And actually, the tag was going to be the best endurance athlete in USA blind hockey because without a <laughs> doubt, you are. Um, and I actually, you're going to laugh at this because but I grew up. I actually grew up at pools and I grew up swimming. Um, I mean, I grew up with my vision, so it's a lot different. Ew. But but I uh, I stopped swimming. When we had to do 50, when we had to go there and back, between doing more than one lap and having to do a flip turn. See, I was good at any other stroke, but having to do a flip turn, it ended it for me. Like, breaststroke, I'll do breaststroke for a long time. Uh. (laughs) I want to know what your recollection of swim lessons was. I want to know how that started out, because that's, uh, because as a swim instructor, I mean, that would have been interesting for me, but I've had some interesting students, and I'm I, I'm wondering how that went. How did swim lessons go for you, and how did you really get into that level of swimming? And did you feel like the competition was similar? Ah, uh, swim lessons. Mm. <laughs> I mean, uh, like from what you remember of learning swimming. Yeah, it's very very foggy. I was only four at the time, but I do have vague recollections of it. I don't recall there being anything special between me and a normal uh, swim student, simply because I've always been really good at faking my vision to be higher than it is. And over time, I've adapted. And even at that age, I don't recall there being anything special had to be done to teach me. Mind you, when I moved into a swim team, that changed a a lot. Um, when I was five, I joined my local YMCA swim team a year after I completed uh-huh. lessons for the summer. And we weren't, we could swim, I'll say that much, but uh, it wasn't very quickly. And now I had like the team's motto, we can swim, not fast. Uh, <laughs> frankly, we were all just happy to be swimming. We didn't care who took first. I, frankly, we lost just about every race and we still love the crap out of it. And uh, all that matters. Yeah, exactly. It's all that matters. We had fun. Not, who needs more? Um, I mean, I mean, look at the four of us, the four of us, look at the weekend of hockey we just had. We all left there with smiles and lost all four games. <laughs> yeah, we didn't win a single one, so. <laughs> but, um, and originally wasn't able to compete in swimming, never put up much of a fight. There was a few races where I might beat someone on my own team, but it never truly got competitive. But that changed when I turned seven, and I joined a year-round swim team for my, uh, I guess it was, it was called the Bethel Park Recreational Swim Team. And it went through many phases, but it was usually people of my age, you know, that at the time frame, it was about seven to 11, and it was actual competitive swimming. We would travel, get up at obscene hours in the morning on Saturdays to go to a swim meet, spend all day there only to do that again the following day to swim for maybe five minutes total, including warmups. It, it was horrible. But the competitive atmosphere that recreational swimming has is no different than high school swimming. It is, it can get brutal at times. You got people who are putting down these times that just seem absurd. And to me, my only dream was to catch them. I wanted to put it at that point. My dream went from let's have fun to let's have fun, but I want to take a medal home with me. Right. And although ambitious, I worked my butt off 
to try and achieve that. And I went to swim practice every night for two hours, like clockwork, every day of the week. And it was, and I loved it. I enjoyed it. Some days more than others. Some days was a bit harder to go, but that's just how sports work. And, you know, being blind, it was a little bit harder for me to learn for two reasons. One, I couldn't always see the coaches' demonstrations. They would stand on the pool deck and they would do the swim stroke for us, but they would never explain what they're doing verbally, nor could I get it into their heads that, hey, that kid in lane three might not be able to see you perfectly. Can you come a little closer? And then on top of that, with my hearing loss, even when they were trying to explain, they were usually in the about 10 yards away from me standing on the side of the pool in the middle of the pool, which wasn't very helpful to me. And then, you know, and that opened the door of how about some one-on-one -on -one coaching or just have the coach come over and tell you what you need to do. Sadly, a common notion with, for lack of a better term, normal sports, most coaches have an unwillingness to help those with a disability or those they don't see as the next greatest thing since sliced bread or someone who can beat Michael Phelps. And that's just, you know, that's one of the things of sports that you have to contend with when you decide that, hey, I'm different. I'm going to go see if I can try and compete on this normal team. But I will always say this. In the end, I had fun, and that's what matters, and I do not regret it. Absolutely. And I mean, and look, and look what it, and look what it did for you at that point. Um, and it, it, it got you to where you are now. Um, the number of doors swimming opened for me is numerous and near infinite. And it's, that's, that part still blows my mind to this day. See, now you have to elaborate on that. So... <laughs> Swimming, you you opened that one for yourself. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> um, so the main, the biggest door swimming open for me was triathlon, as that is not the hardest, but the most technical aspect of the sport, because you anyone can run, mm -hmm. anyone can bike, or at least learn to bike very easily, and once you learn, you don't forget. But swimming. It's like playing hockey. There is such a strict form you have to hold to do good that it's like trying to swim with spaghetti. You have to control yourself so perfectly to move as best as possible. That's a horrible analogy, but I'm still going to roll with it. You're, you're talking to the wrong for I, I, I've taught swim lessons for almost 20 years. So you don't <laughs> have to tell me. I, I know exactly. And like, when you did it, I was like, that's, yeah, that's, and that's what it is. It's everybody can run, everybody can bike, but it's, it's always been the swimming and the triathlon. Um, yeah, I, I believe that it's, it's tough. So what doors did it open though? Cause I, I, cause I believe, especially when you do that, that's the win for you is what's your, that you're just killing everybody in the swimming part of it. And that's what's helping it. Right. Oh no, <laughs> I suck at swimming. No? Still. I'm still a horrible swimmer. Really? I I went seven years without correction on my form, oh boy. and I paid for it, and I still am. I'm trying my hardest. I've spent quite literally a half-hour day in a pool for the last year and a half, and the progress I've made is so minimal simply because my form is so atrocious. My first a dozen coaches never told me, hey, when you swim, don't be straight-armed. Hey, when you swim... Don't look up to the sky when you breathe. Hey, when you oh, swim, God. 
keep your arm at a 90 degree angle and don't cross over your body under the water. Hey, when you swim, look semi forward. Don't always be looking down at your feet. And because of this, it's like it's like I'm a car trying to come through the water. I'm not anywhere close. All right. So last question. Um, rank them. Rank the three disciplines of the triathlon and why. Okay. So ultimately, it's bike, then run, then swim. Uh, I'll start with swim. I don't like swimming. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I find swimming very bland and very boring. It gets very tedious. You know, I've spent... At this point, I've spent half my life in a pool. And at, there, there's that threshold where swimming loses its fun and excitement. I find it relaxing still, but in a racing perspective, it just becomes hold your form as long as you can. You can die when you're done sort of deal. And that's not enjoyable to me. But in another sense, that just makes me faster because if I don't enjoy it, I want to get out faster. So that's kind of like my motivation, <laughs> good nor bad. Um, then the run. I like running. I do. I spend a lot of time running, and I'm not I'm not great at it. I'm not bad at it. I'm not fast, but I can go forever. You tell me to run 10 miles on the spot, I'll go do it without a fuss. But I just I enjoy running simply because I don't get to run outside much. Everything I do is on a treadmill. So during races, especially having that chance to run outside and not have to worry about someone or something tripping me because I have someone guiding me the whole way. It's just, it's exhilarating simply because it's something I never get to do. And moving like that is just fun. It's just fun to run. And then biking is my overall favorite because I, I love biking. I'm a bike nerd. I love, I'll spend literal hours a day on a bike, just biking, even in my basement where I don't get any change of scenery. But even with the little vision I have, I love biking outside. Biking outside is so refreshing because I get to see everything around me and I get to go fast. I love going fast. That's my biggest thing in life that I love doing. And getting the bike at, you know, speeds at 25 miles an hour on a, in a great open field or, you know, 50 down a hill without having to worry about steering or wrecking because I have someone doing that for me. It's just, it's so relieving and it's just a blast the whole way around. Awesome. Yeah. No, definitely believe it. Um, one additional question. So if, if it were up to, if, the, if, if it were up to you and you had to choose between Paralympics hockey and Paralympics something in biking, where would you go? Oh, don't do this to me, Josh. I had I was to. having a you, good night. I, there's no wrong answer. We will not <laughs> hold it against you. Because because there's a it's you can't compare an in individual sport with a team sport you can't no so, you really yeah, can't so you, you can have you can have your preference and nobody can hold it against you so my thing is I wouldn't go to the Paralympics unless it was triathlon or hockey which is technically still a form of biking my big thing okay, is so though, I don't have to choose just one one is you know one is winter one is summer but the thing about that is. There is so little I have to train for with hockey because I do so much for triathlon. Triathlon mm -hmm. all finds a way to incorporate itself into hockey again. Every little thing. But if I had to choose one, because you truly don't like me tonight, apparently, 
Oh no, it, it, it's because I do, and because you 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 talked into so many <laughs> questions, but it wasn't it, it was it wasn't even that. It was it was really where would your preference be? Because it definitely like when, when we get into serious like the, the Paralympic teams, it, it might it, it might actually have to come down to a choice. And that's what the choice would be. It's going to come down to the aspect of the team sport. I would have to go for hockey if I had to choose just one, simply because triathlon, it's an individual sport. And even as a blind athlete, it's just me and my guide. Two people. Just a common, everyday friendship. But with hockey, you get that, you know, 15, 16 guys that you're really close to that is just like, it's just like a giant family. And for that reason alone, I would have to pick hockey because the team aspect trumps triathlon every day of the week. That was probably as good of a segue as I could have given you, Tony. So uh, I'm going to toss it to Tony with with that for uh, period three. Hey, Brock. Uh, dude, you're pretty well-spoken, man. Thank you. You're welcome. Have you... Uh... Have you had the opportunity to tell your story before? Because you have a, an incredible story. Um, I've done a few newspaper interviews and I think two news stories, but I've never truly told my story from start to finish to a meet to anybody beyond you know whoever I'm sitting across from at the lunch table, like I have sure. today, thanks to you guys. So, how, what did you think of the showdown? Because that was the first time that uh, I believe I had played with you. And you know you you did really well out there. Uh, thank you for saying that. And yeah, I believe it was our first time playing together, or even against each other for that matter. For sure. Um, but the showdown, oh, that that weekend right there was the highlight of my summer. You know, from June fifteenth when I finished school to August twenty sixth when I started again. That mm-hmm. weekend of like July twenty second, I think it was was yeah. just it made my summer incredible i loved every second of it not only because you know getting to hang out with all all you guys and all these great hockey players because we come from all over the country and blind hockey is so special because of that we come from all over the, and usually we have people from all over the globe sadly thanks to covid we didn't get that this year right but even still getting a chance to just hang out with you guys hang out with a bunch of hockey players from all over and then getting a chance to play four games against and with them at such a high level was so exhilarating and so much fun that that tournament was honestly incredible to me wow that was a really great answer uh no for real and so you talked about like us as being like great people and like all all the community do you find that like some of the older players and stuff like that maybe their attitudes towards hockey and just towards life and everything like that with having a visual impairment do you do you find that to be helpful now that you kind of found another community of people who are visually impaired i have learned so much from the older people who play blind hockey the older gentlemen Mm. than i have from any other area and I attend a lot of seminars on how to live as a blind person. <laughs> oh, nice. The outlook that some of the older players have, and just most of the players in general, varies so much. But there's always one key thing, and that is usually no regrets. Live life to the fullest. And yeah. They teach 
the younger generation like myself so much that we don't have anything to worry about. We have a question. We just turn to one of them and they're so happy to help us and answer any question we may have that it makes living as a blind person so much better, so much funner, so much easier because there's like a collective knowledge of a bunch of great people all willing to help. And it is, and I love it. It, it's honestly incredible beyond words. Um, I, I think you just gave the perfect description and you know, if people need to hear why to play blind hockey, they need to listen to what you had just said about it. And, <laughs> you know, uh, so let's talk a little bit more about hockey. You know, you're pretty skilled out there. You got a really good shot and you're obviously you've got a great endurance and you're, you've got a pretty good quick step first step out of to uh, make like a transition and everything like that. So how does your eyesight work? Do you struggle centrally? Do you struggle, struggle more with your peripheral vision or is it kind of both of those combined? Um, my vision, it's, it's a little hard to describe, especially when playing hockey. Yeah. Because I can't rely on my hearing like everybody else. So right. I do it only work off my vision. So I found ways to work around it, but there's a lot more head movement from me on the ice because I, most of my vision is centraled on my right eye. I don't, oh. like when I play hockey, I only see out of my right eye. I can see out of my left, but I only see out of my right half, or at least I'm able to comprehend what I see on my right eye. Because okay. of that, I've got my left-sided vision is pretty horrible, but that's why I play left wing. I, it's just the wall, usually. Nothing sure. too horrible there. But um, I do lack a little bit of uh, nasal vision, and a little, a very small smidge at the bottom of my right eye. But otherwise, I'm pretty much central vision. Okay. All right, cool. And then, so something uh, that I have a question about, being like hearing impaired, what would be like the best way to help communicate to a, a player who also struggles with hearing as well? The thing about that is hearing impairment differs so much. So like the Pittsburgh Rhinos, we right. have three deafblind players and oh, our wow. hearing ranges so much for some people it's just simple like for myself it's as simple as hey just speak up speak up and tell me when the whistle's blown i can do the rest for others it might be you can't talk to them at all you might have to you know hit them across the head a few times to get their attention like on the bench the best way to tell one of us to go is to smack the back of our helmet that's how we know, hey, it's time to roll. Mind you, not all uh, deafblind hockey players need that. Yeah. Um, but some of the ones with a little bit who are less fortunate and have a little less hearing do. But, sure. I'm, you know, I'm fortunate that I don't need that much degree of help hearing-wise other than just, hey, speak up and look at me when you're talking, and I will do the rest for you. Okay. All right, cool. No, that, that, that helps me understand that a little bit better. And thanks for going into detail about that. Uh, and that's pretty interesting that the Rhinos got three players who also have uh, hearing impairments and are visually impaired. Um, I mean, you, you have overcome so much adversity. Uh, and a lot of it, you were a lot very young, you know, and you might not remember it, but you're a true uh, superstar, man. Uh, I had a ton of fun with you playing 
with you in the showdown and we had a couple shifts together and i also i guess one of another question was what what is it like to play for your dad and and have such a good support system with uh your mother as well honestly i would be nowhere if it wasn't for my family my they are they are blessing in every sense of the word for what they do not just for me my mother she is the she is the team manager, the founder, the everything for Pittsburgh Rhinos blind hockey. Wow. And she runs the team so well that we're getting ice time every week for an hour and a half to two hours every Saturday. And she's able to coordinate that our team who come from all over, uh, uh, I guess that's southwestern Pennsylvania, is able to come and be a part of it. And then with my dad as the head coach, with his vast hockey knowledge, he may still have an issue with pointing and not being able to use directions properly. Sure. Uh, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge, if he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, that just his vast hockey knowledge, you know, of his 40-some years of hockey. Well, not that much, but <laughs> I'm making him sound old. Uh, <laughs> but his extreme amount of hockey knowledge he's amassed over the last few dozen years helps every player. We He is taught like four or five players, how to skate. He's taught close to a dozen the rules of hockey, the positioning, how to play it. Yeah. He taught me everything I know about hockey. Literally everything from the rules to how to skate, to how to handle the puck, how to shoot, whatever it might be. It's thanks to him that not only myself, but my team is an actual hockey team who can play the sport and aren't just out there with the puck a stick in our hand and whacking it around yeah and then if if it weren't for my mother the team wouldn't exist just having support staff like them i can't even get into the words to express my gratitude and how much they've done because they just simply don't exist and there's just no way for me to take that gratitude and express it properly into a linguistic format that was pretty, that was oceanic deep, <laughs> Mariana Trench deep. Uh, no, uh, I, I was very blessed as well. And with, with my dad knowing a lot of, about hockey and both of my parents working very hard to give me the opportunity to play. And I'm very thankful for them. And uh, I bet your parents, when they listen to this, will be very They'll smile from ear to ear, think knowing how appreciative their son is, and you know, I mean, you're just a high quality, uh, high octane person, and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about or say to anybody? Is there a social media platforms or Instagram that people could follow you on to? to follow your sporting journey, whether it be uh, as a runner, triathlon athlete, or uh, a hockey player, and then any of your other activities, I suppose. Uh, if you want to follow me, I suck at social media. All right. <laughs> the, the best person would go to be to go to Tammy Kitterman's Facebook page. She does, it's uh, basically the Peacock site for me. I don't feel a need to do anything because she does it all for me, and she brags more than I'm willing to admit. But... <laughs> The biggest place I have to shout out is the Pittsburgh Rhinos Facebook page or PittsburghBlindHockey.com. You need to check them out because it just just to spread the word. 
just to see the great team that my parents have created it's just it's enlightening and it's heartwarming and that's the biggest thing i've got to say yeah, absolutely thank you so much brock and i wish you the absolute best of luck in october uh, i'm not going to be making it but i hope that you play well and you take this opportunity to continue to grow as a member of the bind hockey community and as a player and uh, I, I don't I don't see it being any other way. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're a pretty dedicated and motivated person. So thank you for the kind words. Yeah, you should be very proud. I, I'm very proud of you. I mean, seeing your mother, I, I, I'm friends with your mother on Facebook. So I saw her uh, posts about you this summer. And it's just it's honestly it's very inspiring and very cool. Thank you. You're so welcome. <laughs> Brock, it was awesome having you. We, I, you're so well spoken, and and I learned so much. And Thank I am, uh, and, and actually, it's funny. I was just texting Drew, and he's like, "I would," and Drew was like, "I would never do a triathlon." I'm like, and yeah, those two. I'm like, me either. I'm like, and it's funny because I already said that, and those two made me do the triathlon questions. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, so, like, like we changed uh, questions at the end for season two. So, our question, my questions for season three, um, are twofold. The first one is, where do you see blind hockey ten years from today? So, this is going to come out what, probably the tenth of October, twenty twenty one. So, ten October tenth, twenty thirty one. Where do you see blind hockey, and whatever stage you want to talk about? And number two, kind of along with that, where would you like to play blind hockey? Where, what venue or what town or what place where would you like to have a blind hockey tournament? Ooh, those are some. Those are very good questions. Uh, ten years from today, where where do I see blind hockey? You know, I would love to say we have a million teams, a million countries, everybody's in on it, every blind person plays it. But, you know, that's that's a little idealistic. But in a realism sense, I would love to see blind hockey, you know, just gotten through its second Paralympics, you know, you know, we got like I would love to see you know, a dozen plus countries on board with the sport. And I would love it to be a normal thing that every city, every major city, or every, even every medium-sized city in America, have at least one blind hockey team. It doesn't have to be big. It might. It can be just be three guys who go out every third Sunday to the local free skate and toss a puck around with each other. Doesn't need to be massive, but I would just love to see an an era where blind hockey wasn't so far apart, where we have to travel dozens of hours to one venue and only have a hundred of us at most. I would love to see where we could travel three hours and have a full, you know, full-size teams play against each other in a tournament-sized bracket where we could have national championships, much like Canada does. That would be my personal view and my personal dream as to what hockey would be, or blind hockey more specifically, would be in about 10 years. As for where I would like to play it, there is a lot of great places in the world to just play a sport. But for me, I feel like hockey, it needs to be done in two locations. I'm not going to give venue names because I don't care. It doesn't need to be specific. 
but I think Northern Canada would be incredible. And I think somewhere like Sweden would also be really cool to play blind hockey in. Wow. Yeah, honestly, uh, everything that you just said is my dream, like to a T. Like that's my mission in my life is to help there be a blind hockey team in every major city across the world. Like I, like I've had dreams about bringing blind hockey to Africa and like all sorts of crazy (laughs) sorts of missionary dreams and stuff like that. And uh, honestly, like we just need to find more people who are dedicated and, and willing to, and I think dog nation is something like that. Uh, like, as long as we keep finding these people who want to help tell our stories and we've all got incredible stories to tell, I think that we will have that opportunity and, you know, we can go to Cincinnati. You can, there will be a team. I know that one of the tri- or, uh, events coming up, there's an event coming up in Michigan that I believe Tim Kane and Dave Clank have put together and that should be really successful. Uh, the Colorado Visionaries is something that's going on that's pretty well. I mean, you got Pittsburgh. I mean, there's so many things where we can eventually have regional tournaments. You got all the teams out east, whether it's the New York Metro Blind Hockey team, you know, your team. Hopefully, eventually, there's a team in Philadelphia, and then you guys can play each other, and there can be the hopefully the Philly Cheesesteak Cup or something like that. <laughs> I can that go. Sounds fun. I'd be down for that. <laughs> yeah, we can have a Philly cheese dogging competition because that's one of my bucket list things. But no, I I think that it would be so special to play in northern Canada as well. Like I want to see Montreal. I want to see Winnipeg, and I don't know. Let's get blind hockey in Alaska. That would be amazing, and it never hurts to aim high with your dreams. It never does. Dreaming is free. It's not harming you. You're not paying for it. No harm in it. Just chase them. And together as a, as a community, I honestly believe blind hockey can go to great heights, even in 10 years. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And especially what Canada's doing. Oh, my gosh. Like, those guys, those gentlemen who are skating across the width of Canada. Like, first off, that's so cool. Josh, we should do it. Uh, I might end up having to, like, arm wrestle you a couple times <laughs> like throughout the, the journey. Dude, we're doing it together. I don't even know what to arm wrestle for. We could do it together. Uh, I, I just, I, I just, <laughs> we're just going to argue about where we're going to eat. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to need to find somewhere along the way after we eat whatever you want to eat. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm glad we keep it classy after Brock, after Brock uh, completely takes takes all of our all of our low class and makes it so much better. But tr- truly, honestly, Brock, um, I totally agree with you. And what's funny is um, I'm old enough to know that about 15 years ago, special hockey was like literally the spot point we're at right now. Like special hockey in the U.S. didn't. There were very few players on very few teams because there was not that push for intellectual disabilities. And with the boom in autism and a lot of other diagnoses, that's why special hockey is everywhere. So we, when it comes out, I mean, we don't have the numbers that, that intellectual disabilities have, but 
it, it needs that time to grow. And I, I completely agree with you. I think your assessment's not over the top and I think it's realistic. And I, I think it's a great dream for us. Um, my goal absolutely is Banff. Banff is a hundred percent it. And it's, I'm going specific. It's gotta be Banff, but thank you so much for coming on. You are again, so well-spoken. I can't wait to see you in two weeks. I can't wait to come play with you guys in Pittsburgh in April. Uh, do we have any more specific information on that, by the way, Mr. Pittsburgh? Oh, oh, oh. Um, I honestly don't know, but I know it's definitely in the works, and it's definitely happening. All right, cool. Yeah, because that's, that's kind of what I got was definitely happening, but we don't have a date. We don't have a weekend yet. So I was like, let's see if I can dig for that weekend. Guess not. All right, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all, gentlemen, for having me. It's been an honor being here with you boys, and it's been very enjoyable. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Go ahead, Tone. No, I'm saying all right. That sums it up. <laughs> uh, awesome. We will uh, – we're going to come to you guys next episode um, is going to be our St. Louis preview coming out on World Sight Day, which happens to be next Thursday, October 14th. We will see you then with hopefully a, a solid preview. And if you can't join us for that, please join us for the Blind Hockey Classic, either through our podcast or the Classic should be brought to you online and we'll give you the information for the streaming details. Again, thank you and have a great weekend. Uh, Dirk, Tony, thanks a lot. Brock, again, thank you. You guys have anything? Nope, take care.